0: what's up guys this is the 404 forum the show for atlanta sports fans to sound off on the latest in the 404 sports scene i'm your host isaiah and i'll be here to guide you through all the triumphs and the tragedies of sports around the 404 it won't always be pretty but i can promise you it will be fun so atl let's talk If you want to tell the good people what's up before we get started,
1: what's up? What's up?
0: Yeah, I got my guy Eric Gould here. Great friend, uh, buddy from college. We've, uh, we 've lived a lot of uh, great 404 moments and a lot of bad uh, or even you know terrible yeah. atlanta sports moments together um we got to uh live 28 to three together mm-hmm. um, with some other friends that was um pretty bad um we, we we got to sound off on and get together just shortly after uh Georgia failed to win a national title on mm-hmm. second or yeah second 26 um and and all the things in between so we've 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 seen a lot and been through a lot so nobody better to uh, sit here and have the, the inaugural episode of the 404 Forum <laughs> with um, than a guy who has lived the exact same pain, heartache, and heartbreak that I have over the many years of watching Atlanta sports. Yeah. So to kick off the first episode here we're going to start off with a bit of a rapid fire session just kind of go quick um, and hit on some of the topics that maybe we're not going to go into detail on and go into detail about on this show but some things that are definitely pre- prevalent and you guys definitely want to hear about. So um to start off for you, Eric, uh the Falcons next head coach will be blank.
1: I've got three guys on my list. Um I've got Lincoln Riley, I've got um Eric Bienamy, and then um I don't want to count out Raheem Morris yet. Uh I mean with the new diversity rule, um having Eric or Raheem would both be a benefit to the Falcons. Um, but you have Lincoln as a good head coach. So Um, I think with the offensive firepower the Falcons have, Eric would be great to have as the the Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's seen skill and talent, and I think if he came in, he could do some big things with with the Falcons' offense. But what about you?
0: Um, I said Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris was my one name. Um, Knowing how safe and conservative Arthur Blank likes to play things. Um, You saw Dan Quinn, six wins at the end of last year. Bought him another half a year, quarter of a year, whatever you want to call it. Um, So knowing how Arthur Blank likes to keep things in the franchise, keep things close to his best, he's not going to go out and do something crazy or splashy. As intriguing as Lincoln Riley is, um, I don't know that lightning strikes twice coming from the college game, the way that the Arizona Cardinals hit with Cliff Kingsbury, there are some college guys I'm intrigued with. If Dabo Sweeney, for example, wants to come <laughs> to Atlanta, I don't think you, I don't think you tell him no. Yeah. No. But I think there would be some stipulations there, such as getting his, uh, his college quarterback. You may need Trevor Lawrence to entice him, but all that, nonetheless, I think Raheem Morris will end up being the guy, especially if he can figure out a way to beat New Orleans, figure out a way to do, um, keep some of the good things he's had going here in, the, in these past four or five weeks, keep him rolling into the second half of the season. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Raheem Morris, even though I don't, I don't know that I love the hire right now. I'm a enemy guy with you, um, mm-hmm. but Raheem Morris does bring the diversity. We could talk all day about having a black head coach in the city of Atlanta for the city's football team. Yep. Um. That That's a huge thing, I think, in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. definitely one of those, one of those cultural hires, you know, for the culture, if you want to go there, but also a hire where I think you got a guy who knows both sides of the football and, can, and can get the, could get the job done if given the opportunity <laughs> for a full season. Yeah. But, Next question on Rapid Fire, the team most likely to win a Super Bowl and not named Kansas City
1: is? Pittsburgh just got their ninth win. I think you'd be crazy to not have them on your list. Um, and the Bills lost today, but don't count them out.
0: Yeah, keeping it quick, uh, Pittsburgh was, was my number one answer. I, the Bills are intriguing. Um, there are a lot of teams, I think, that are right there in that could contend category, the Packers, the Saints, all those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Steelers have to be the favorite if you're looking at it and saying not Kansas City, then who? I think it's Pittsburgh. Um, yep. next question biggest surprise in college football this season has been blank
1: either Cincinnati's play or the lack of a clear top 10 just every conference has has beat
0: itself up that's very true um, with you know COVID-19 and the pandemic and all that stuff going on I think the the parody that you're seeing in college football may not be true parody I don't think it's a true depiction of what we're getting you know how good or bad a team is Mm -hmm. is indiana the 10th best team in the country i don't Mm -hmm. know do they deserve to be in the 10th spot right now absolutely (laughs) um they have a big test this weekend they'll get to show it against ohio state definitely Mm -hmm. um but i like that answer i was thinking more of a team i'm thinking specific team and uh my specific team is definitely lsu i think coming off a national title even though you lost you know, the majority of your starting roster to the NFL, I didn't think that they were going to be as bad as they are. Um, and that, that's a bit surprising to me, a bit shocking to me mm-hmm. that they, you know, that they've struggled the way they have. And also you could even say Oklahoma, that's kind of 1B right there. Because, again, you think Lincoln Riley, the quarterback whisperer, got all this, you know, this offensive talent, and these guys that can play. Spencer Rattler struggled at times, went mm-hmm. to their number two quarterback for a period before Spencer Rattler came back. So yeah, I think Oklahoma definitely fits that surprise category as well. Um mm-hmm. so for you, the next college football playoff champion will be who?
1: Alabama. I I hate to say it and we say it every single year, but when you look at Clemson who struggled this past week against um was it Notre Dame?
0: Notre Dame Notre Dame's run game specifically.
1: Yeah, and Notre Dame's a good team. Um I I, I you got to give credit where credits due. Notre Dame's a good team. But Alabama is just stout this year. And so I, I think it'd be um, it'd be tough to not go with Alabama on this one.
0: I agree. I think uh, Alabama is the team to beat right now, even though they may not be ranked um, number one, or I think they are ranked number one now. But Alabama, I think, is, is the team to beat. They're the standard. Their defense is good enough to come in and, and hold, you, hold you down and keep an offense like Notre Dame, too, is good, but doesn't quite have you know, the necessary playmakers to, to do what you need to do to beat Alabama offensively. Mm-hmm. And then in a game where your offense can score points, like where, you know, for example Clemson, whose defense isn't the greatest on you know, in the country right now, yep. um, they can turn it into an absolute shootout. Mac Jones can get off with all those weapons he has on the outside, um, even without Jalen Waddle. So yeah, I think Alabama's the clear cut favorite. They're the number one team in the country for a reason. Yep. And they're going to be the team you got to you got to go through to win a national title this year. Even though I think Ohio State has a chance, they have a shot, but I'm still taking Alabama. Yep. Um, so, a couple more questions here before we transition to uh, the Atlanta Hawks and talk about the draft. There. Um, so, to begin the 2021 college football season, the University of Georgia's starting quarterback will be who?
1: It's going to be between Dewan and JT. I think I think you give JT the shot. Um, we haven't seen him play at all this year um Dwan's had times to step in and prove himself but hasn't necessarily step up stepped up or risen to the occasion um but don't sleep on Brock Vandergriff if if he if he commits to Georgia and is more than a verbal commit and and he steps in I mean you got a five-star that's hungry and ready to play um in in the midst of so much quarterback confusion and so um, don't sleep on Brock, but at the same time, Georgia's got three other quarterbacks riding the pine right now uh, that I'm sure would be very excited to step up.
0: Definitely. Um, this is one where we're going to differ and we're going to have to double back here. Um, but I'm going with Carson Beck. I think Carson Beck deserves an opportunity. I think is mm-hmm. an incoming you know, a freshman this season. He's in house. He's in the quarterback room. He knows what's going on. He's had a year to study that offense. Um, he should, I think, get an opportunity, an audition, a dress rehearsal. Um, you know, we've seen Dewan Mathis. We've seen where his, you know, what his strengths, what his weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. We've seen Stetson Bennett. I think we, kn- we know Stetson Bennett as a fan base. The universe. They know Stetson Bennett. We know what Stetson Bennett can be and what he can provide. The wild cards again. J.T. Daniels, who who knows, and then Carson Beck. But I think Carson Beck because he's healthy, because he's been in that offense from day one, because he'll he'll get a few a few dress rehearsal reps here at the end of the year. I'm taking Carson Beck. So last one here, number one overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft will be,
1: I said either traded back to Golden State or Charlotte, or. Um, I think the Timberwolves should pick Anyeka Okongwu. Um, I butchered that last name, but I think they're the bet. I think he's the best fit for the Timberwolves.
0: Interesting, interesting. I am. I'm saying Lamelo Ball. I think whoever gets that pick, barring it be a Golden State or whoever, I think it'll be Lamelo Ball. I think he's potentially the best prospect Um, it's a, I think this is a weak draft and it's made even weaker by the lack of scouting by the lack of NCAA tournament last Mm -hmm. spring by having the draft pushed until November um, with a late December start date. Mm -hmm. So I personally, I'm going to say LaMelo ball. Um, However, it's up in the air as usual. You never can tell yep. with the NBA draft, and but I think the Timberwolves are either going to say they're either going to go all in on Lamelo Ball and say, "Hey, this is the guy we want to run the show at the point for us," or they're going to move that pick for I say Devin. I think Devin Booker. I think they they that's about the only guy you, they would consider moving mm-hmm. the pick for, and then rounding out their their big three later in the draft with hopefully a guy you get somewhere in the first round. So. That would be, that's my thought on that. But nonetheless, sticking with the NBA draft, let's talk about the Hawks. Let's bring it back to the 404 um, and kind of throw around some options with that number six pick. Um, The Hawks, there seem like there are a myriad of options. New options come out or are reported by some different reporter every single day. Mm -hmm. So, with that being being said kind of what we kind of know what the the Hawks options for the pick are they can keep it they can try to trade up they can trade back um they can trade it all together not take a first round pick this year because they get a player whatever the case may be but just kind of jumping forward here what do you see the Hawks best option as being
1: i think the Hawks best option is to trade back and, and use that trade pick for for veteran presence, I think. Um, I'm really excited that they picked up Nate McMillan um, from the Pacers, I believe. And so to be able to pick up a veteran coach is, is a step in the right direction. Um, I think the next thing is a veteran player. I, as much as I would love to say, yeah, let's go get some young talent, um, we have young talent and i mean like you said earlier the the draft class is it's okay it's not exceptional you're not looking at at three or four guys that are going to come out and be all-stars in the next 3 4 years um, you might but it's not a very strong draft class and i think with that being said the best option is is to trade trade back
0: i agree um in a, to an extent, I think trading up, trying to there's one clear cut option to me for trading up, and that's the three team deal um, that has kind of floated around social media and has got gained a lot of traction. But there's a three team deal that allows the Hawks to trade up into or one three team deal, probably of many that they could pursue that would allow them to move up and get the number two overall pick from Golden State. I love this deal for the Hawks. I think it there's something beneficial to every team here mm-hmm. on the other side of that coin I don't know that Golden State couldn't get better players or more players you know more players mm-hmm. of higher caliber than they would get in this deal but to tell you the deal um the Suns would receive Jordan Poole from the Warriors and get the Hawks sixth overall pick which would actually move them up in the draft they're right, currently picking 10th mm-hmm. the Warriors get Kelly Oubre a guy who can help them win now Kevin Herter, another guy on a rookie deal who can help them win now, a solid shooter Mm -hmm. from the Hawks. And then they would also get the Suns' number 10 pick to draft a lottery prospect in in that respect. But then the Hawks would receive Ty Jerome, you know, kind of a a shooter and and Mm on-ball guy for the Suns. And then they would also get the Warriors' number two overall pick. I love that trade. I love it. Mm -hmm. If I'm the Hawks and I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to do to move up in the draft? presumably to take Anthony Edwards at number 2 overall mm-hmm. to give you the star of the future at the two at the two guard position that seems like the best deal. However, I think the Warriors can leverage that number 2 pick into more. Whether oh. that number 2 pick is something with Boston to get them Gordon Hayward and some other young players who are, you know, more young players than just Kevin Herder um potentially also could leverage that pick into a Ben Simmons, for example, you know, mm-hmm. Philadelphia is kind of trying to figure out what they want to do. There's more that they could do with that pick, I think, but I think if they're willing to take that Kelly Oubre, who's on a one-year deal, whose deal would expire after the season. And then Kevin Herter to try and re-up and go for it in 20, you know, 2020,
1: 2021.
0: Mm-hmm. Who, I think I think that's a solid deal for everyone involved right there. However, um, back to your trade down, your trade down aspect, I don't know if that's the most likely move. I think it may be the best move. You trade trade the pick back. Um Tyrese Maxey is a guy that some, you know, people are saying the Hawks like. Mm-hmm. Um some people feel he can be a star in the making, but he's not a guy that's gonna help you in year one as you know, year one, year two. He's more of a prospect that's gonna blossom, you know, in years three, four, five on down the road. Mm-hmm. I think that pick's gonna get traded for a player. I don't think it will be just for a player straight up. I think it'll be traded for a player, um, In general, and let me tell you why. Um, it's they're going to trade that for a player because the front offices, I think, made it pretty clear that the postseason is the goal. They want to be in the postseason in some capacity in this year, whether in this, you know, this upcoming season, whether it be in the you know, seven through 10 play in game and they end up making it a seven seed or eight seed, Mm -hmm. or whether it be you qualify as a top with a top six seed. So I don't know what that what that looks like, but I personally I do believe that they're going to want a player now. What player would that be? Who knows? Yeah. Um, you're, the Hawks have been every every rumor for every deal. So could it be Drew Holiday potentially? Victor Oladipo is an option. There's an option that gets you Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. um, and Boston's number fourteen, number twenty six picks. There's also Kevin Love is a guy to keep an eye mm-hmm. on. Also Bradley Beal yeah. is the guy with the most most appeal that people had their eyes on um I went ahead and cooked that one up in the ESPN trade machine and that <laughs> if you go number six Kevin Herter or Cam Reddish Dwayne Dedman and DeAndre Hunter that will get the job done mathematically I think you're giving them solid prospects for the star that the Hawks kind of need and kind of are looking for mm-hmm. to go beside Trey Young yeah so with that in mind um we kind of talked about what our opinions on the best things. What do you think is actually going to happen come Wednesday night when they say with the six pick, the Hawks
1: select? I think I didn't play this out because I do think the Hawks will probably just settle and pick somebody. Um, Cause I wanted, I, one of the trade rumors I saw floating around gosh, the past week or so was a uh, DeMar DeRozan and I, I, that one really intrigued me. I think for me personally, I would love to have Chris Paul. Um, the issue with having Chris Paul is uh, how do you balance him and Trey Young? Uh, but Chris Paul is a solid veteran presence that has been in a ton of situations that has seen a lot of coaching that um, is really great in, in coaching up young players. Uh, he's an influential player. But I, I think when it comes down to it, uh, I I just see the Hawks picking up just someone that will not necessarily do anything right now, but you'll have to wait a couple years, and that's the expectation. I don't like that I have that expectation, but we've seen the Hawks, and we've seen all of Atlanta sports just over and over pick uh, a player that, yes, looks good, and then they just fizzle out. Either because it's poor coaching, or it's just not the right fit for them, and I I don't want that to happen again. But I think that's what's going to happen.
0: The Eric, these are the new Atlanta Hawks. This isn't the old Atlanta Hawks who <sighs> are just content to fizzle. the The front I think the front office saying that there's an expectation of the playoffs definitely has an effect on Lloyd Pierce you know he obviously in in that situation where half the roster gets COVID-19 or something Mm -hmm. catastrophic on on that scale happens and your expectations have to be tempered because Lloyd Pierce is a good coach he's doing a good job but I think with the expectation of playoffs or other things need to would would be happening at that point I think they're gonna make a move or or some move Mm -hmm. whether it's you know, to trade back and acquire a player like even a Gordon Hayward yeah. who isn't his old self but still is a quality player. I think the Gordon Hayward move gets a lot of traction. I think it, it – I'm not going to say most likely because it's so hard to predict what trade, this trade or that trade, will happen. Will happen. Yeah. But I think the Gordon Hayward deal is a, is one that they would give a second look mm-hmm. to if it came to it. Um, You get number 14 and number 26 for the sixth overall pick and Gordon Hayward who gives you the star power, a guy who's been on contending teams, who's played as, you know, really the the guy for Utah for much of his young career. Yeah. So coming into that situation, he brings some leadership, brings some intangibles. You saw in the playoffs how that Celtics offense didn't run as well when Hayward went out for a period with the sprained ankle. Yeah. So I think you're getting a guy, maybe not star caliber, you're not going to win a title if Gordon Hayward is your quote-unquote best player, even your second best player. Mm-hmm. But if playoffs are the goal, I think Gordon Hayward adds some wins to your total. You have a healthy John Collins for hopefully all of the Mm -hmm. year to add more wins to your total instead of having him miss 25 games. Mm -hmm. You have a full year of Clint Capella to really see what you got in that Mm -hmm. deal. You have, you know, a full year of whoever you take at 14. Maybe it is Tyrese Maxey. Maybe it is, you know, a a prospect, a long term guy, Mm -hmm. whoever it is. And you also have year two Cam Reddish, who I do want to remind everyone was looking like a viable three and D type player post All-Star break yeah. um, last year. You do have Kevin Herter coming back for his what, third year coming back ready to be that shooter. You do have um, you know DeAndre Hunter who looked like a very solid three and D type player down the stretch. So your young guys were taking strides. Now it's just a matter of taking their strides, putting them really putting them into in perspective and allowing them to continue making those strides. Having not played a game in nine months, will that affect you when the season starts back? Absolutely. But all in all, I think this Hawks team is, is in a pretty good position to contend with the guys around them. But I do think they need that seasoned veteran that got to come in and kind of just lead the ship, lead the way and, 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 you know, push this thing in the right direction. Who's been a who either is a star or has been a star, be it Bradley Beal um, be it Gordon Hayward, I think Gordon Hayward kind of, if you look at the way these guys are, are, are their psyche, the way they lead, the way they do different mm-hmm. things, I really do think Gordon Hayward is equipped to do that. Because if you look at what, what he what he was in Boston and what he did in Boston, taking that young core with you know Terry, you know being on the team with Terry Rozier, when you know Tatum as a young guy, Jalen Brown as a young guy, and you can't, I guess those guys matured and they're great players and they've learned a lot um from Brad Stevens and the coaching staff and even on their own from just being around the game and experiencing the game. But you can't make me believe that season, you know, the seasoned veteran in the room, not just veterans mm-hmm. plural, but really the seasoned veteran in the room and Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart to an extent. Mm-hmm. You can't make me believe that those guys didn't play a part in their maturity and the Jason Tatum we see and the Jalen Brown we see, you know, and the Grant Williams we were able to see in the playoffs. So I personally think that the Hayward deal is one you should take a second look mm-hmm. at. Um Another one that, I, that I've heard, you know, some people talk about that I don't know how much traction it would actually get, again, because of numbers and different things like that, but is Kevin Love, another guy who has been there. He's won a championship with LeBron James. You know, the question then becomes, can Kevin Love coexist in the same, you know, in the same front court with John Collins? Can they defend well enough? Can, you know, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Kevin Love, and John Collins, those four guys who to this point in their careers, have not been known for their defense. Defense, save Kevin Love on one possession when it mattered in the NBA Finals. Yeah, can they coexist in the same on the same court and not hemorrhage points at the level they did last year? Um, so, with all that in mind, you know there's some other options out there. Dejounte Murray from the Spurs is an option. <laughs> you know Bradley Beal, like we talked about, but what would the asking price for Bradley Beal be? Um, and some others that are. Tossed around. But to me, the Gordon Hayward deal, as much as I – when I first heard about it, as much as I kicked against mm-hmm. it, it seemed like a deal that would be very friendly to the Hawks. You pl- let Hayward play out the remainder of his contract. You go into free agency after this upcoming season, and you can kind of survey the field and say, okay, who who's out here? You know, Giannis, potentially free agent, a lot, of, a lot of other guys like that. But I think you look to acquire Hayward in that deal, take your young guys with the two picks you get, and then the one pick you would retain in the second round. And then try to build the rest of your roster out with savvy veterans who are willing to take, you know, team friendly deals—one plus ones, two plus mm-hmm. ones—not super expensive. And from there, you, you go ahead. But we can talk about free agency at another date because it's a whole other monster. Because I was about to, uh,
1: I was that... about to toss because the Hawks have so much cap space. Someone just became a free agent today, and that's Anthony Davis. And so once again, it's very crazy. But the amount of cap space, the amount of defense that Atlanta needs, the star power it would bring in, the semi veteran experience, because he's still relatively young, but he's got experience. I don't know how well he would fit in the system. But with the cap space that the Hawks have, and with Anthony Davis becoming a free agent, that's something that it would be, it would almost be a dream come true, you know?
0: Atlanta it would be it'd be the storybook sort of you know middle chapter or whatever you want to call it to Atlanta finally gets their star but I personally don't like you said system-wise Anthony Davis wants to play the four even though in his mind he says he kicks against it he wants to play the Mm -hmm. four looking at the stretch run they made in the playoffs last year Anthony Davis played the five a lot uh, and I mean a lot, not just against Houston, but a lot, because that's the best lineup. When you can put a guy as versatile as him at the five position, he can defend, he can rebound, he can, he can do everything he needs to do on the offensive end, he can stretch the floor, he can attack from the perimeter. You know, that that whole idea in mind, yes, on paper it seems great, but then you got to think, John Collins, how does Anthony Davis pair with John Collins? How does he pair at the five? Mm-hmm. Do you play him with Capella and bring Collins off the bench, which could in turn stunt his growth? There's a lot of intangibles there. And then the whole idea of he just won a championship with L.A., why would he not re-up with the Lakers? I mean, Lakers are going to arguably improve their roster from last year with what was kind of still a LeBron and the boys type squad outside of Anthony Davis, obviously. But, um, you know, you saw them make a move today, bringing Dennis Schroeder, who I think is an upgrade over Rondo in in a lot of of cases, especially offensively. So, I personally, I, I don't think Anthony Davis is going to be a guy that is gonna give Atlanta serious consideration. I think for the Hawks, you ask for a meeting. You got to meet with everybody. Oh. I think you got to meet with everybody, tell them the advantages. You got to show them Magic City and some lemon <laughs> pepper wings and, uh, and and you know roll out the red carpet in that sense. But is Anthony Davis going to give Atlanta serious consideration? I don't think so. Are the Hawks front office are they gonna really look at Anthony Davis and say, hey, this is a guy we can bring in to take us to the next level? Eh, maybe, but would we rather have Anthony Davis for you know? The short term because he's you know entering his prime right now, or we rather have you know John Collins, who we drafted, developed, homegrown prospect, mm. and we could potentially have him for his entire career. So that saying that would be you know what 12, 15 more years as opposed to four, five, six of Anthony Davis. So I think those are the things you got away. And again, we'll talk about free agency more later, but personally, I think Anthony Davis is he's not even going to consider the Hawks. But it would be great if you did. <laughs> so, moving on for, for the Hawks. We talked about front-office expectations. Um, talked about, you know, kind of hint, hinted at, I think, what we feel this team is capable of. But for kind of a two-parter here. Do you feel like this next season is playoff or bust for the Hawks? And what kind of improvements do you want to see um, on the way to whatever we expect this next season to be?
1: Yeah, I think – I think we'd be crazy to not say it's a playoff or bust, and and the reason I say that is, uh, we we've talked about this team a lot. But when you look at the Boston Celtics, I mean, they their young core of of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, I mean, a lot of those guys are same age as John Collins, Trey Young, you know, the, our, our guys are following maybe a year behind them, two years at the most, but it's still – the Celtics are a pretty young team. And so when you look at that, I think the expectation should be playoff or bust. Um, We've got the talent. We've got the shooters. I think the biggest thing we lack is the defense. If we can get a couple guys to lock down on defense, a couple guys that consistently will be on the floor, uh, that can spread the floor, um, but that can also lock down on the other end. Um, that can be a, a threat outside the perimeter, but they can also drive. Um, and once again, on the other end, they can log down and play defense. I think that's where that's where you really need to see your improvements. If you're if you're Lloyd Pierce, if you're the front office, um, you're telling your guys, "Hey, we like we have to learn how to play defense. We have to play good defense." Because, I mean, yeah. yes, when you have Trey Young and Kevin Herter. Um, throwing up threes from downtown and um, you've got Trey Young throwing half court lobs to John Collins. Like, that's great. But when the other team is doing the exact same thing, it doesn't really make that big of a difference, you know? So until you're locking down on defense, you're not going to make the playoffs. So that's the big key factor that, that you have to look for is, How are we going to play defense this season?
0: You're 100% right there. That was my biggest thing um, as well as far as improvement. So great minds, I guess, thinking alike um, and all that stuff. But you look at the teams that win championships, they're in the top. Maybe not the best team defensively in the league, but they're definitely in that top Mm -hmm. echelon. Think about the Warriors, the years they had Kevin Durant, or even the year before when they just had Livingston, Iguodala, um, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and those guys were kind of their, their, their closing lineup there with the small ball and all that stuff. Um, those teams were top echelon defensively. The Lakers last year were number one in team defense last year with Anthony Davis as the anchor. And, you know, LeBron and Rondo and those guys kind of filling in around and taking the challenges on, on the perimeter. But nonetheless, you have to be able to get some stops and get stops when it matters. Not just saying, oh, we're going to get stops, we can figure it out. You got to be able to get stops. You got to be able to get stops late, and you got to be able to get stops consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the 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 biggest things I think that will make this team a playoff team. Because as bad as they were defensively, I mean, looking at at, you know at the Hawks defensively last year, last in total points allowed, last in points allowed in the paint, which Capella should make that statistic much much better. But they were next to last in second chance points, which again Capella should help in, and they were twenty third in defensive rebounds, third to last in defensive rating. So. Again, those defensive stats are pretty much abysmal, yeah. terrible. <laughs> However, you hope to see some guys turn the corner that you have, you know, in in house that can do that. And you've heard champions say, guys in the NBA who have been here for years and, and done the played the game, and done this thing at a high level, they say, hey, the the toughest thing for a young team to do is learn to defend in the NBA. Just and it just is it, for whatever reason it is. People say defense is about effort. No, defending is a skill um talking to guys like Marcus Smart, PJ Tucker, guys who, you know, going back as far as Ron Artest who who made a living off of being able to play mm-hmm. defense. Defense is a skill, it's a skill that people will pay for. I think it's a skill that the Hawks should look for in free agency, but it's also a skill that I think they brought in in a lot of the guys that they have. You know, Trey Young was statistically the worst de- defender in the league last year. I look for him to be better this year, just fact of the matter. Steph Curry was a terrible defender when he came into the league his first couple of years, but he got better. He found out how to be serviceable on on his mm-hmm. matchup night in and night out, and he, he he can do it. He can defend, and that comes with, I think, getting stronger, getting more experience, more season for Trey Young is what it is. But the guy that I look for to fill that perimeter defensive void is Cam Reddish. I, I really do believe Cam Reddish can take another step because he was – taking that step when the season stopped um, just after the all-star break. I think they only played around 10 games, but in those 10 games, he had upped his uh, scoring average seven points to 16 points a game. He had been in double figures and I believe all 10 of their games they had played. And he was just more solid defensively. He had two you know, great games where he had 26 against Brooklyn and, 28 against the uh, the Wizards a, a week or so later. But I think of, of Reddish as the guy who, number one, has the most star potential out of last year's rookie class, even though um, DeAndre Hunter was taken ahead of him. I looked at Reddish as the guy with the most star potential. And I also look at Reddish as a guy who could really fill that 3 and D role before he becomes the star, if that makes sense. He could really be the guy who is going to be a – I won't say Trevor Ariza because, you know, I don't want to – Pigeonhole him into into a guy's, you know, a uh, makeup or whatever. But I think a Trevor Ariza type mm-hmm. guy, um, who could potentially be a slightly better athlete, definitely a better ball handler, a three level scorer, and a guy who eventually transforms into the star that the team needs, the homegrown star that Atlanta needs to draft and has missed on time and time again, all the way back to missing on Chris Paul when he was coming out of college, taking Marvin Williams second or third overall, whenever they did and missing on Chris Paul. So with that in mind, I I really do think this team defensively is where they need to improve. Do not Mm -hmm. get me wrong there, but I think they have the guys in house and they can, you know, kind of bring those guys in in free agency, whether that be, you know, a Contavious Caldwell Pope or different guys like that. Um, I really do think they can, they can make that work with Capella as the anchor John Collins taking a step Trey young getting better, you know, Cam Reddish being able to take the other team's toughest perimeter matchup at times, you know, Kevin Herter being a better defender, DeAndre Hunter also being a lockdown guy and specializing in defense. And then whatever else they're able to bring in. I really do think all that can contribute to, to the Hawks being a playoff. Yeah. Team so you year. talk
1: about Cam Reddish stepping up and, and being that lockdown defender, uh, is that something that you see happening before the all star break? Do you see that coming out of the gates? Do you think it takes two, three weeks? Or do you think this is something we don't even see this season?
0: I definitely think it's something that we see, you know, in the in the time that, you know, the Hawks got to be together as a team and do their little mini camp or whatever you call it, the league was so gracious to give Atlanta after letting, you know, the other three quarters of the league play a full season or, you know, essentially the rest of their season that, you know, that notwithstanding, I won't get into my gripes about that, but however, I do think Cam Reddish maybe not pick up where he left off considering he's had a much longer gap between playing games than normal, but I do think we'll see that emergence. We'll see that presence. We'll see that, you know, we won't see so much of the the struggles early as we saw last year. We won't see the, the, lailing and the kind of, you know, almost like he's he's in water that's too deep mm-hmm. at times. I think we'll see him begin to come, you know, have a commanding presence on the floor, act as though, you know, he is a second year player. We have to remember he is a yeah. second year player. He's not a twelve year veteran. He's a second year player. We can't expect him to be Jason Tate of Jalen Brown yet because fact of the matter is those guys are in year three, year four, year five going into year six. So I do think we can expect an emergence similar to Yes, we, we should hope they are on that trajectory. But at the same time, do not think that we can expect, you know, Cam Reddish to be that type of guy right now. But I do think he can be a guy that can contribute to a playoff run and who knows, maybe even getting you over a hump, um, getting into the second round with this young team, which would really, you know, make Atlanta much more marketable to free mm-hmm. agents and, you know, whoever else thinks they may want to come be a part of what's building here. In, yeah, uh, so in you Atlanta. talk
1: about um, him potentially helping us get into the playoffs. I think the biggest issue I've seen with the Hawks is the first half of the season. uh, They just kind of basically limp through and then they hit the all-star break. And after the all-star break, they look like a brand new Hawks team. I mean, they come out firing on all cylinders. Um, I mean, we saw, uh, gosh, this is where we see huge steps happen is after the all-star break. But with that being said, clearly, we've lost so many games in the first half of the season that we can't come back after the all-star break. So, do you think this is something that he has to he has to lock down or do you think we have to get a free agent in?
0: I think I think you need you have to fill your roster out. I think free agents filling out the roster is definitely going to be You know, part of it. Do I think you need to get a star free agent right now? Absolutely not. I think you can still wait on that. You can still see what happens in the honest sweepstakes. You can see, you know, survey the land and see what is happening. Um, However, do I think that, you know, do I think that the Hawks are able to, you know, right their wrongs, if you will, before the All-Star break this year? Absolutely. I don't just think they can. I kind of expect it. Because of how good they played in the second half, the brief part of the second half they had, and you have to remember as well in the first half losing all those games, you did you lost a lot of most of those games without mm-hmm. John Collins, if not all of them. You lost them with him out for the twenty five games for the P D suspension or whatever it was. So if you bring him back and you win, you know a quarter of those games, you're in the playoffs. Hawks so miss the playoff line or go into the bubble by like three and a half games or mm-hmm. something like that. So you bring bring John Collins back, you know win a few more games, and you you have a chance to see what you can do in Orlando. So I think the the way the bubble worked and it just making the whole season kind of seem like it was squished into mm-hmm. a few weeks um, and having almost a season in two parts, it really does kind of skew the view and the and the, what we think about the season because so much of it seems like it happened a lifetime ago. So for me, you know, and just trying to remember what the Hawks were when they were playing their best basketball, you're not can't expect to be there realistically from the jump but I do think the expectation should be to get back there sooner and then take that try to raise that to a new level find a playoff spot get in and then see what yep. happens when you get there
1: I can get on board with that
0: <laughs> definitely so we're gonna step away and take a quick break when we get back we're gonna talk to Atlanta United and uh, just kind of give our reactions about this season and see uh, where this thing's going so stick with us and we will be right back I'm Isaiah, the host of the 404. I'm 24, a reporter, and looking for my shot in sports radio. You see, Atlanta to me is the best city in the world, even with all of her traffic, crazy weather, and the sports collapses. You see, with this podcast, I don't want things to be about me though. Instead, I want it to be a place or a forum, if you will, where you, the fans, come to discuss the good, the bad, and even the ugly about sports in the 404. You see, forums came from ancient Rome as a place for them to discuss the events of the day. As we know, Rome was a place with art, music, and sports, all things the 404 is very well known for. And if the ancient Romans needed a place to sound off on the issues of the day, well, let's just say Atlanta sports fans are long overdue for theirs. New episodes will be dropping weekly, so please be sure to listen, like, subscribe, and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And be sure to give us a like on Facebook at The 404. And let me hear your thoughts, opinions, and even hot takes on the happenings of the 404 sports world. Remember, it's a forum, so we always want to hear what you have to say. What's up, guys? This is The 404. I'm your host, Isaiah Smith, and we are back here ready to talk with you some more about uh, You're Atlanta United. Um, I have my guy Eric Gould on. He is co-hosting the first episode. Hope to have him back for many more. He is also our resident uh, soccer expert, if you will. So uh, a lot of the these questions about Atlanta United, I'm going to defer to him and kind of let him uh, take over and, and do his thing and get in his zone with this because he is the soccer guy. So um, for you, Eric, just kind of thinking back about this season that was, and you know, how it was interrupted and had to go through a bubble and all that stuff. Um just kinda of what were your reactions to, you know, this version this season of Atlanta United after all that had happened
1: in, Yeah. You know, this I, year. I, my initial reaction was frustration and, and almost the sense of freaking out of Atlanta United has just become another Atlanta team. Um and and if you're a fan of any Atlanta sports, that scares you because Atlanta United was our hope. It was it was what we had. Um yep. They were, They because they, they came out, made the playoffs their first year, um, second year, they made a run at the playoffs, and I don't know if it was the second or third year that they won the Cup, but regardless, that they, they were a young team that came out and, and did what they needed to do for Atlanta. Now we have the Braves, and um, and the Braves are doing well, but my reaction was to freak out um, but when you look back at the season, they fired Frank DeBoer pretty early in the season. Um, uh, Martinez was out for most of the season. Uh, we sold Pete Martinez, and and Barco missed a lot. And with all of that being said, I think we also either sold or lost most of our defense, and and so a lot of that defensive firepower was gone that that we had. So. Um, mainly Gonzalez Perez he was phenomenal back there he was aggressive um, and and when we lost him I think it, it took a bigger hit to our defense than we we thought um, so my initial reaction was uh, a little frustration and and a little fear almost but I can't freak out yet
0: yeah, I think that's the appropriate reaction considering the changes and and the weird season they had. You know, they were they were subject to a break as well from, you know, what February, March through June, July into August. They were just like everyone else. They had that long layoff, long break that, you know, kind of chopped everything up. But, you know, getting back to what you were saying about losing pieces, I think that that is not something that I think Atlanta United should should rely on to not happen. Because here's the thing: when you're a first-class organization, when you're a first-class team, when you're a champion, everyone else wants to be where you are. You know, think about the Patriots in football. For to liken it to another sport, think about you know the Warriors that they and during their run, the Heat during their run. people wanted want guys from those organizations to come and run the show. So it should not be a surprise that Tata, you know, left. That you know, Mickey Almiron you know, was was sold and got, you know, more money to play elsewhere, that Darlington Nagby was, you know, ended up being traded and left, or Julian Gressel left because, you know, they are both able to make more money and those kind of things. And, yes, those guys played integral roles for Atlanta United on their teams, you know, in the offense, you know, Nagby starting, you know, kind of starting the offense and Gressel, you know, being a finisher on the back end and things like that. But the fact that those guys are gone, those guys weren't the – they were part of the organization, yes, but the fact of the matter is the reason you're a first-class organization is because of the organization. The guys at the top call the shots. So the fact of the matter is this happens to all good teams. You have to figure out how to how to respond and reload. You can't just get down on on your laurels of, oh, well, we lost this guy. We're never going to find another guy. The next guy's out there. You may have to develop them a little bit. You may have to figure it out. But, you know, the Patriots didn't didn't slump their shoulders when, you know, when when guys leave, when those when those receivers leave, when you know this guy leaves, that guy leaves mm-hmm. for more money. They don't slump their shoulders. They don't drop their heads. They just go find the next guy, plug him in, and then the shit keeps rolling. The cog, you know, the next cog in the wheel helps everything keep rolling. And a lot of times, it rolls better if you you have a good scouting department. So I think that you know with Atlanta United, I think the coaching change it definitely hurt. Um, losing those players, losing Nagby, Gressel, you know, Mickey being gone, all those guys. Yes, it hurt. However, I think the reason that they're a first-class organization is because they are able to look at, you know, look at the guys they have. You know, Joseph Martinez, arguably the best at his position in Major League Soccer, Jurgen Dom, uh, you know, Ezekiel Barco, uh, Marcelino Moreno, Brad Guzan. Those guys are able to look at them, rally the troops, and say, okay, this is what we need. Go get the pieces they need, plug them in and continue their success. That's what makes first class organizations first class. It's not getting guys in and keeping them forever because essentially you're holding guys back. You're not letting them go blossom to be their full, fullest selves. But it's getting those guys in, making them as good as they can be, putting them in positions to go and blossom, you know, make more money elsewhere in a bigger league or a bigger market or whatever. Um, you know, considering MLS isn't the top soccer league mm-hmm. on the planet, you know, let them go to Europe or, you know, to where what other bigger league that's going to mm-hmm. pay them more. But then also finding the next guy to plug in that position and say, hey, let's go win another championship with you, you know, and get you paid. So yeah. not to say that not to say they want to be a feeder system, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, you gotta be able to plug and play and, and fit pieces in because that's what makes first class organizations first class. And I'm gonna say, you know, Arthur Blank, you know, Arthur Blank don't don't have no junk. So Atlanta United, I think, is going to be a first class organization that's well run. And I do look for them to be back. Is it frustrating? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, is is it kind of maddening? Are you do you feel like you're on that whole? You know, this you know everyone says if we so and so wins a championship, we can suck for the next twenty years. Well, yeah. I don't want to suck for the next twenty years. You win one, you want to go get two yeah. and three and four and five. So you know, it, winning is addicting. It, you know, the same you know winning is a habit, mm-hmm. same as losing is a habit. So I think Atlanta United is going to want to further the winning habit. Um, so, moving on so we don't take up uh, too much time here, you know, thinking about the next head coach. You know, Stephen Glass, I just want to tip my hat to him for being able to just kind of keep, you know, be the glue to keep this thing together and not let Joseph Martinez want to go and Jurgen Dom want to leave after not even being mm-hmm. here for for a full year. And Marcelo Moreno want to be, get out of here. And Suzanne looking for a new home. You know, for holding this thing together, putting United right there at the cusp of the playoff line. They just couldn't get over the hump, couldn't get in. Um, and get the win they need at the end of the year. But nonetheless, what do you think that Atlanta United should look for in, the, in a new head coach? Because there's a lot of rumors. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions. But what do you think, you know, they should be looking for in that next? Yeah, I of mean, I, th-
1: I think you have to look at someone that works well with Joseph Martinez. Um, I think you need someone that is going to play a fast-paced, heavy offensive game. Uh, someone that, that is good with uh, playing the counter that knows how to play that well. Um, the fact of the matter is we didn't have Joseph Martinez. And when you look at it, that man scores 20 goals and like 20 goals a season and you win 10, 10 more games, you know? Um, and, and I think Steven Glass, yeah, like you said, he did a good job. Um, I hate that we couldn't get more wins because you still have like, you have a good team. Um, but, I think the biggest thing is you have to look at guys that are going to want to play offensive soccer. Um, our defense needs a lot of work, but in the MLS, because it's not top-tier soccer, you can just outscore the other team.
0: That's true. Um, I, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think Atlanta United is going to target that. You know, not, maybe not a South American coach like mm-hmm. Tata was, but the guy who plays that fast-paced offensive, attacking, downhill, aggressive, you know, you know, 90 minutes of pressure. You know, we're putting pressure on the defense for an entire game with our personnel, with our formation, with the strategy we use, all those things. Um, you know, you have those speedsters who, you know, like, you know, Miggy Almaron. Who put that pressure on the defense from the outside? You have those guys like Jurgen Dom, like Marcelino Moreno, Joseph Martinez, who, like we said before, is the best at his position in the MLS and is arguably the face, you're know, one of the faces of the of mm-hmm. Major League Soccer. So um, you don't have, you know, you're not going to find Tata unless you bring him back, obviously. And I, I, he's on the bigger and better things, mm-hmm. like we said before. So you're not going to find a guy to do – everyone's got their little quirks and variations to a style that may overall be similar. So with that in mind, I think you do need to look for that offensive style. And I'm going to take it to another level here and look at it from a business mm-hmm. perspective. Um, I know personally I, I, will, I won't lie and say I'm a soccer buff, but I do – I watch the, you know, United and watch the U.S. national team when they play. But I'll tell you the soccer games that are most fun for an, a novice fan or the fan who doesn't know as much – Atlanta United style, where they're getting you know a bunch of shots on goal, and they're you know you know running, getting wide, attacking, putting all this pressure on the defense, and passing the ball, moving the ball from player to player quickly, and all that stuff. That free flowing soccer, not only is it fun to watch on TV, but it puts butts in seats. It lets Arthur Blank sell PSLS and put and pay for that big new stadium they got down there for that. You know, and if for no other reason. That, I think, is the reason you have to go for a, a an offensive-minded head coach. Um, it's for the economics behind it, not just for, you know, the, the personnel you have and those things. But you can't tell me that when Arthur Blank said, hey, I'm going to buy a Major League Soccer team, we want to park the bus and just sit back and, and let the other team possess the ball for 60, you know, 60, 70 minutes. And we're just going to sit back and just not let them score and put everyone in the box and those kind of things. That's not what what his mentality was. His mentality was, "What do I want to see when I go to soccer? Games? I want to see somebody mm-hmm. score five goals. So let's get the personnel. Let's get let's get the guys out here and the stra- playing in the system that puts us in positions to go score five goals. So do you you need to upgrade defensively? Yes, you can't just rely on Brad Gazan to stop every <laughs> shot as good as he is. You know the three times a year where he's not a wall and gives mm-hmm. up two or three goals. You don't want that to be your doom that keeps you out of a number one seed or keeps mm-hmm. you know puts you out of the playoffs even." Because you get blitzed, you know, once on the road in a weird environment or a weird game where something weird happens, or a car, you know, there's, you get carded in a weird situation or whatever. Um, your defense needs to be serviceable. You need to be able to get get some stops and and do things, you know, on that end of the soccer pitch. But also, you want to flip that and put pressure on the other team's defense. Take advantage mm-hmm. of your situations when you have numbers and those kind of things. Um, but I think one of the other things is the economics behind it, especially in COVID time, if you want to call it that, whatever. You want to put that pressure on the other teams, uh, on the other team's defense, because mm-hmm. it puts butts and seats. We like getting up and, and being loud and, and going crazy when you know it, there's even almost a goal, not even a, yeah. a goal, but almost a goal. So yeah, I think I think those are the kind of big keys from Atlanta. United yeah,
1: right I I think it's I think we're in an okay place. I don't think we're ready to freak out yet. I think as soon as we get a good coach um that'll pull a couple guys into our defense. Uh, you look in South America, you look in Mexico, that's where we pull a lot of our talent from. Just keep pulling from there, give those guys chances. Um I think I think Atlanta United is in a, in an okay spot.
0: I agree. I think they're in a position to go either way. Um but knowing the type of organization and the type of leadership you have I do believe they're going to lean toward the – I'm leaning toward the plus instead of the minus for them yep. going forward. So um, that's definitely a good thing. Like I said, knowing you're going back to being a first-class organization, knowing that you're going to make good decisions at the top, it's well-run, and those things are going to happen. is something that, as a fan and, and a spectator and a watcher. You can take heart in and know that, hey, this team's going to be all right going forward. Um, so, yeah. But unfortunately, that's about all the time we've got for you guys tonight. Tonight, whenever you are listening, um, be sure to to like and subscribe and give us a follow on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast at. Um, yeah, thank you for being on tonight, Eric, and for and for going at it for you know 45 minutes an hour, <laughs> however long we went. Um, really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, always love your opinion. Yeah, man, that appreciate like it. It's a good time yes sir definitely look forward to having eric back but uh once again thank you guys for listening um let us know what you think give me your opinions uh give me an audio message you know drop something on the facebook um let us know what you think um we'll be back uh, in a week we're going to talk a, few, a little more hawks um, i'm going to talk some georgia football hopefully in more detail so thank you